Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. At Discount Tire, we know your time is valuable. Get 30% shorter average wait time when you buy and book online. Did you know Discount Tire now sells wiper blades? Check out our current deals at DiscountTire.com or stop in and talk to an associate today. Discount Tire. Let's get you taken care of. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It's the Marketer's Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more.
Welcome back to Celtic State of Mind. I'm Paul John Dykes. I'm delighted on a Thursday to be joined by JP Mason. I look forward to this all week, JP, because I'm not on the bulletin as often as I used to be. And I channel all my focus and attention on a Thursday. How's your week been? I mean, I know you were there on Tuesday. You've been busy this week. Fill us in. Hi. Uh, I, I was, well, last Thursday, uh, couldn't have come to London with you uh, to <laughs> pick up a treble. <laughs> Which uh, you know, uh, as a fan of the the, the podcast, and I, and that's what I am. I happened to be here on a Thursday and was quite involved with the match day bulletins and the lockdown as well. I mean, I, it's just been a huge godsend for me as a as a Celtic supporter, as someone who's gone through this weird period of time in my life where I couldn't go to games, couldn't go to gigs, couldn't do my job, and having this to do has been hugely helpful for my uh, noggin, everything. And, you know, people slag this, this off, people slag fan media off, whatever, they can do what they want, I don't really care. Um, because ultimately, I've had far too many people say to me in the last week, um, in public, online, you know, the good things that this that comes from this and some of the things you've shared with me as well that you've got from from people and not not celebrities, it doesn't need to be celebrities, it's not about that, it's about making a, a difference to people and, and it happens to be that it makes a difference to me as well so you know I, I'm, I'm glad that you know us sitting here talking nonsense about Celtic and occasionally music which doesn't go down well with some people but um, <laughs> uh, you know I'm glad that that's, that's resulted in, in recognition and, and you know huge you know and there's no check in the post but huge credit to yourself and, and, to, and to everybody else that contributes to this for dedicating their time and their passion to towards you know something that we all are passionate about which is that jersey and you know what happens in the park on, on a Saturday or Tuesday afternoon or whenever whenever we happen to play a game um, exactly exactly yeah. no, every, everything you say though JP and it isn't sitting here talking about Axom all the time but what you said there is spot on because I just think that you know we've all been in company of other Celtic fans and people talk so passionately and they're so well informed but you think to yourself, well, imagine being able to channel that into a show. And that was always the idea, particularly through the pandemic. Um, because I don't know about you, but I need my Celtic fix every single day. And I know a lot of people are the same. So that that's where it was born. It is a live stream. We've got loads of other things going on, Celtic related on the channel. So get subscribing on there. There's my shameless plug. But the thing with the music, I know that when I start talking to you, JP, invariably we will talk about music at some stage and a few people have a, a few wee gripes in the comments, but football and music goes hand in hand. It always has done. You know, it's it's always been the case and I'm pretty sure there's a wee music story in today's episode as well, JP. I well, I mean, the other day, Tuesday at uh, uh, Celtic Park was obviously amazing. I'm sure we'll talk about that, but in the evening, uh, uh, a band from Dublin Fontaine's DC played at the Barrowlands. If people don't know who they are, they're, uh, they're maybe not everybody's cup of tea musically. They're not, you know, mainstream pop. They're kind of pretty dark, uh, influenced by, I mean, any number of bands, The Cure, The, the Pogues, you know, there are others, Iggy Pop, you know, uh, stuff like that. So they were playing the Barrowland on Tuesday night and to go from Celtic Park a victory to that gig was, was, was something else. And uh, the promoter, uh, Chris Beltran, who is not so uh, knowledgeable about football, he won't mind me saying that, 
Um, he sort of said to me that there'd been some murmurings from the Fontaine's DC camp about trying to get to the game if possible, um, but their sound check was at four o'clock. So <laughs> because we were playing at half past three, it was never going to happen. Um, so it was a bit of a shame because in actual fact, if the game had been tonight, they have tonight uh, off. So they could right. have gone to the game tonight, which is a shame. But uh, it was sort of chat like, what can we do for them Celtic-wise? And I went, let's get them Celtic tops. No sponsor. Names in the back. Year they were born. See how that goes down. And then they put a post out on Tuesday to plug their Glasgow gig. And they said uh, it was Tom the drummer's birthday on Tuesday. So they said, happy birthday, Tom. Uh, and then they were like, Glasgow tonight. And of course, Celtic. And then I, I saw that and I was like, oh my God. <laughs> they're, going to, they're going to lose their minds when they get these strips. And they got them last night at the second night because they did two nights at the Barrowlands. And um, they were absolutely over the moon. And uh, I, I managed to see them last night in Nice and Sleazy's on uh, Socky Hall Street for a few beverages. So I'm a little bit worse for wear. Um, but it, was great to, it was great to talk to them and speaking to Green. And singing afterwards, he he came in at Sleazy's wearing a Celtic top. By the way, oh. not not fully out. He had a shirt on, but I mean, you could you could see it, see it in the picture. I seen that. it in that photograph. Yep. But I said to him last night, I was like, those gigs will be remembered for a long, long, long time. You know, mm-hmm. people that's etched in people's memory. Them playing at the Barrowland anyway was a big deal. Them playing in the Barrowland on the same day that Celtic have a big win in Europe. Yeah. And I actually said to him, I couldn't remember what game it was, but I looked it up this morning. The Pogues played the Barrowland the same day that Celtic uh, beat Rangers in the St. Patrick's Day Massacre. And mm-hmm. there's an article, a Scotsman article, which I've sent to him uh, via someone else. To, 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 just together, I was like, this is the article I was talking about. And uh, that that's remembered fondly. I know loads of guys, obviously a bit older than me, that were there. And they still talk about, I mean, that, that day, you know, we beat Rangers and then Pogues at the Barrowland afterwards. It's 100% same thing because you're not going to try and... T- well, I know for a fact there was a lot of that crowd and on Tuesday night they were at the game or if they weren't at the game, they would have been if they could have mm-hmm. they got the day off work or got somebody to mind their kids or all of that sort of thing. So, you know, big, big, big sort of week for uh, Glasgow music and a, a, an important important date in the calendar that I'll, I'll never forget it for, for sure. You know, just as a, as a fan of the band and a fan of Celtic, it was a... It was a Perfect synergy. Absolutely. And it's back to normal. It's back to JP's normal. The, the music, the football, you know, going places, you know. So absolutely brilliant to, to look back on JP because it is getting back to that stage. I know, you know, you've got to be uh, double vaxxed and you've got to have your passport and all this kind of stuff, which prevented some people from being at the game. But for 50,000 to turn out, I remember um, in the kind of early days of the Celtic State of Mind, we were actually approached by UEFA.com, right? And Kevin Graham and I went down the Gallagate and they wanted to film us. Unfortunately, as so happens so often, we were down there for, I don't know, four or five hours. Kevin can maybe correct me on that. We seemed to be down there all day and we were going to the game at night and it was on Valentine's Day, I remember. And they were filming us and they filmed hours and hours of footage. You know, Kevin uh, reciting poetry down the Gallagate and all that it was brilliant. They eventually used about, I don't know, a third of a second of it in their mm. promo stuff that they put up. But the whole discussion that day was we were in the Europa League and the biggest Europa League game will be at Celtic Park. And the guys that were actually, you know, commentating or, or asking us a question, one of them was from America, another one was from down south, and they just didn't grasp it. 
JP. They didn't get the magnitude of Celtic Park on a European night. And we were saying to them, you know, there's a lot of big clubs in Europe tonight, but there'll be no place on the planet like Celtic Park this evening. So to then get that um, 3.30 kickoff announced, and you're kind of looking at that thinking, how's that going to affect the attendance? And Postacoglu, Joe Hart and others have come out and spoken about the impact of the fans on Tuesday afternoon. Massive. Huge. Absolutely huge. And I got ridiculed on here in comments and, well, look at him. He's coming out with the excuses. I never, ever said that it was solely down to the fans. I never said that. You can watch back all the footage, as some supporters of other clubs seem to do, by the way, and watch. Regularly. Yes. Yeah, I watch hours and hours of this to try and find us stumbling over our words or something. Yeah, I've probably stumbled over my words a few times. Big deal. It's not exactly, you know, groundbreaking to stumble over your words when you're speaking live on camera on a stream. So, you know, cheers. Anyway, the, what was I saying there? I was talking about... Um, you said it about the fans. About the fan, I said it about the fans. And, and yep. there we go. We play Ferenc Varos, empty stadium last season. We have always chances in the world and we have... And, and we get beat, right? I, I'm not. I don't know for sure if the same thing would have happened if, uh, if we'd had fans in or not. But so many people commented on Tuesday. Tom English, whether you listen to him or not, said that the fans played a big part in the in, in this of the the push and the patience and the drive and the energy that the players got. And I, I just don't. I don't know how you could possibly think that players wouldn't play better when they know that they've got people to impress. You know, you know, I just, I just, I just think that's a, a given. You know, if, I mean, if, if I'm playing fives or sevens and there's a, there's people watching, you know, I'll be more aware of what I'm doing. <laughs> you know, um, and it's very rare that anyone's watching me play sevens or fives. By the way, certainly not fifty thousand folk. Um, but I can totally get into that mindset of thinking that if a player has people watching them, then they're they're more on their toes. They're more likely 100%. to to. To have the audacity to pull off a pass like Jota, and you know, that, I mean that that must have been. If I was them, I would have been replaying that in my head all day yesterday and the day be- and the night before. Because if I ever scored a good goal in fives, which is rare, I never get to play it anymore because I'm always working. Um, but if I ever scored a good goal, I'm always replaying it. So they they must be replaying that, you know, in their heads. We will definitely be talking about Jota and Kyogo at some point in the show, JP. But on that point, right, again, I'm sorry. I apologise in advance. I'm bringing music back into this. If you're performing on a stage, be that on a musical stage or on the the theatre that is Celtic Park, there's an energy. There's an energy that emanates from the crowd. Of course there is. You know, the best gigs... um, you know, part of the experience is that synergy between the crowd and the performers. Now, footballers performing in an empty stadium, you know, you've only got to go back to the time where Celtic were punished after the Rapid Vienna um, saga. And we had to play uh, behind closed doors the following year, didn't we, against Atletico Madrid? Mm. And actually spoke to somebody who managed brilliant, brilliantly to get into that game. Um, by getting a steward's job. They actually had to employ stewards, right? I don't know why, because there was nobody at the game. And uh, he got a job as a steward and he smuggled in a camera. I'm going to have to find him. He's on my, my Twitter page. And he's taking photographs from the terracing at that 
behind closed doors game. Celtic failed to perform that day. There's there's television footage. It was a terrible chance missed by Murdo McLeod, I think it was. Um, and Celtic failed to perform. Now, last season, JP, when you said it, when others said it, and, you know, Neil Lennon said it a few times um, around the, the fans and the energy and what they bring, people were just saying that's just an excuse. You're just looking for excuses. But I think when you look at Tuesday afternoon and the impact of the support, now, it can be intimidating for the opposition, of course it can. But every time I'm privileged enough to speak to an ex-player, I ask them about the fans because sometimes people can say things and it's empty words, JP. They'll say it to try uh, and obviously appease us. Mm. But the players I've spoken to are saying, you know, when the crowd are behind you, it does make you play out your skin. You know, it's almost like an otherworldly kind of experience. Andy Lynch talks about it, where his first pass of a game if it comes off and you can feel the fans are behind you, it's almost as if you are watching the rest of the game, JP. You don't have to overthink anything. Everything happens naturally and you breed confidence. And I think that happened on Tuesday. It was tremendous from start to finish. It was great to see the banners. Big shout out for the Green Brigade with the the Johnny Doyle. That was tremendous. A great tribute to a much-missed and much-loved ex-Celt. But I was going to bring that up and you've answered the question going back to last season. I think it is absolutely pivotal that we're back in. Um, and at this moment, I'm going to bring up a wee comment that's come in from Patrick Murphy on the YouTube page. Let's not get too overexcited after a few wins. As expected, during a huge rebuild, we've been inconsistent once we start racking up 10-plus domestic wins on a the trot. Then we'll be going somewhere. Um, and I get that. I do get that. And I always have to check myself on, particularly the match day bulletins, JP, not to get too excited or too despondent because you can go one way or the, or the other when you're reacting to what you've just seen. But there does seem to be a bit of a change. It does feel as though we're, we're clicking into our rhythm at the moment under Ange. I mean, the Motherwell game, it was far more controlled without it being the swashbuckling 6 nothing win that we've seen against Dundee, St Mirren at home. But it was controlled and it was confident. And then I think Tuesday was reminiscent of the Motherwell game on a completely different level, of course. Do you feel that we're finally starting to find our rhythm? I mean, I I was listening to Kev and Colin uh, this morning um, and I thought it was great yesterday. really enjoyed the the show from yesterday, today. (laughs) And, uh, you know, what they were saying about, you know, Kev was saying, you know, maybe maybe I kind of need to, you know, watch what I say, you know, on here or whatever because you got maybe a bit too downbeat on the back of the Livingston defeat, the, the Dundee United draw, and you know you, you kind of need to temper that uh, negativity, or whatever you call it, when you have massive positivity like you do after Motherwell away, you know Tuesday against Fernandes. I, I just think that it makes sense that we would be playing better by now because these players are getting to know each other. I mean, Jota even said. There was a quote attributed to Jota about the fact that Kyogo Furuhashi doesn't speak English mm-hmm. and he's going to try and learn Japanese to help him out on the park so that he can actually connect better with them. So you start to think to yourself, without getting too you know, uh, over the top, you start to think to yourself, if these guys actually develop that kind of rapport on the park where they actually know what they're saying, that's a frightening prospect. You know, I mean, at the moment, it's it's football that's the common language, as you could see with that pass and the and the touch and the hit. But when they actually, you know, are able to communicate better in the park, that that's going to be happening all over. You know, you see 
relationships building between Starfelt and Cameron Carter-Vickers, the two of them plus Hart as well, you know, where there's a kind of a bond there and, and you know, you don't want to let each other down. And th- those things are, are all key to the whole team playing better because if you've got all these little pockets of relationships that are, that are performing better in their, their wee areas and then that multiplies and breeds throughout the team. So it makes sense that we would be, play, be playing better. We're not, I'm not sitting here saying that we're going to become, you know, Pep Guardiola's Barcelona or anything. You know, of course we're not, but we're definitely seeing the benefit of what's going on behind the scenes. And, you know, the more that you, again, I said that at the start, the way that Postacoglu talked at the start when he came in. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. This week on the Marketers Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct to Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. The way he was talking, I was like, well, he's got to have the tools to back this up. You would not be talking the way that he spoke at the start. And I still think that. I still think that the way that he's speaking, you don't do that unless you think you've got it in the locker. And you don't respond to the media. You don't come out with quips like, I thought the championship was already over, mate. You know, you don't come out with, that's a high, that's a really negative way to start. You know, you know, do you think we deserve the three points? You know, I, I think we did. I think anybody with a football and brain could see, um, you know, or even with a non-football and brain, you watch that game on Tuesday, you know that we deserve to win the game. Yeah. You know, it should have it should have been easily three, four, and no one would have had any complaints. Certainly not Ferenc Varos, because you know, they 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 were up against it and they were really, really tiring towards the end because we'd ran them ragged. You know, the 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 running that we were putting in was I mean, Joe Hart said that he said we we had to win today. We we could not let these people down. There was no empty stadium. There was fans there. There was fifty thousand people there who'd made the effort to go, mm-hmm. and he, he, we couldn't. And he said we couldn't let them down. So that as well as as well as the the, the play, they've got the players there that have, have got the desire to get results and and you know send fans home happy and proud of their team. And that certainly happened on Tuesday. Just to go back on on the the subject of the fans, the importance of the fans, the fact that um, you know certain bands and artists and actors and uh, people uh, within the arts are attracted to Celtic and we've just been talking about Fontaine's DC, who by the way sponsored Bohemian FC or did sponsor a charity jersey. Um, <laughs> it's an absolute belter, it's really, really smart and um, the, the thing that I was going to mention is, and it's not to bring up the award ceremony, but when we went down to London uh, there were very few Scottish representatives down there, to be honest. I mean, there was there were there were a few, um, but not many, not many Scottish platforms were down there. And we were talking away, so we're at a table, JP, and we're at a table with um, a Dutch podcast who are based in Rotterdam, and they travelled over to London um, to come third in one of our categories. So, But they were all right about it. And we spoke about Pierre van Hooydonk and everything was cool. But 
what they were talking about is coming to Scotland and they wanted to visit Celtic Park. They wanted to come to a game. They wanted to experience these European occasions. Um, we were sitting with a couple of fellas from Birmingham who ran a, a podcast as well. They want to come up to Scotland. They want to go to a Celtic game. It's one of these things. Now, we criticise sometimes the EPL for being this kind of tourist league, JP, but anyone who has an interest in football, anyone who knows their chops and they come up to Scotland, they want to visit Celtic Park. They want to experience it. Oh, absolutely. And, and I, I do get that. Uh, I mean, I've been at some Man United games where I've been surrounded by, you know, to genuine tourists who are filming themselves, filming their pals. They're not watching the game. I mean, I, Man United were beating Liverpool 2-0. Brendan Rodgers is Liverpool. Uh, Old Trafford, huge fixture. And I'm surrounded by these guys that are all just like like selfie sticks filming each other. I'm like, come on, guys. This brilliant game of football happening here. You could be watching it like instead of documenting it all. You know, take a couple of pictures, a couple of videos, fine. But to actually sit and film yourself watching a football match for whoever else's benefit, I've no idea. That doesn't make any sense to me. But anyway, uh, the Celtic the Celtic thing I think is different because you've got these people who are just mad, mad football fans. I don't I, I don't really know what those guys were going to the game for to go and see Man United or obviously there'll be people that go to see Liverpool and Chelsea and Arsenal and all that as well, you know, that go for the sort of prestige of of, of um, going to see a football match in England. But you know those guys that you're speaking to want to come for the for the football experience. I don't think they're going to sit there and film themselves. You know they'll 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 soak it all up and 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 drink it all in and and probably cherish that one game for the rest of their lives. Like they might never come to another game because you know let's face it, I've not I've I've been to you know about five or six St. Pauli games. I would go to far more if I could, but mm-hmm. you know Hamburg's quite a way away. Um, and I would love to go to more, but like, uh, maybe I'm even fortunate to have been to four or five to experience that that atmosphere. Because I mean, St. Pauli is unbelievable; like, it's next level. Would recommend anybody to go and take a holiday to Germany for a weekend and fit in a St. Pauli game. Because, well, you'll hear a lot of the songs that we've nicked for them. So, <laughs> for a start, um, and it's just great. Anyway, they're coming to Celtic Park for that experience, and they'll they'll cherish it. You know, no doubt at all that they would come. I mean, obviously, if the, if the result went our way, you know, I'm sure uh, you don't want it to be memorable for the wrong reasons, i.e. because we have taken some batterings in Europe of, of late, you know, um, the Barcelona games, the PSG mm-hmm. games. But we've held our own against big teams as well, you know, uh, Man City. You know, we were, we're not, we weren't, you know, ashamed in that game. We arguably could have won it. Uh, and we've obviously beaten... Other other big sides um, uh, in the past as well, you know, Man United and, and days gone by, um, and Milan and all the rest of that. I mean, seen us beat ridiculous sides, sides that if you'd said to me when I was a wee guy in the nineties, you know, same as yourself, if you'd said, oh, one day we'll beat Juventus and one day we'll beat AC Milan and imagine and Barca and Man U all at Celtic Park, no chance, no Fantasy chance, stuff, yeah. <laughs> Totally. So it was yeah. fantasy stuff. Yeah, Hamburg's brown and white. Yeah, that yeah. was a, a familiar chant. But yeah. absolutely, I would second that. Get in about the old St. Pauli culture and uh, visit the Jolly Roger while you're over there as well. And uh, that's something you've got to experience. Thai Oasis, which is a, a, a Thai karaoke bar on the in Grosse Freiheit, which is open till seven a.m. and is is one of the best nights ever. Um, it's just just constant karaoke and. 
some people take it seriously, some people don't, um, and it's just always rammed and it's a really good atmosphere. And uh, I've got a fond memory of watching a, a, a young uh, Asian chap sing um, In the End by Lincoln Park um, three times in the same night and was so emotional. He was like almost on the verge of tears while he was singing it. It was, it was, it was beautiful. It was absolutely beautiful. I mean, hilarious, but also beautiful. So um, I, I wasn't aware of this karaoke bar. I've never seen well, karaoke in my life. You don't need to. You just need to go and drink it and and uh, enjoy the enjoy the camaraderie. And if if like us, you want to buy a carry out at six six o'clock in the morning and take it down to the fish market. Paddy Keller or Stag do anybody who knows Paddy from the week, uh, from the Edinburgh Heriot Walk bus. That's what we did on his stag do from that karaoke bar. Bought a carry out six o'clock in the morning, took it down to the fish market, and kept drinking until yeah about eight. Crazy, crazy housing days. When um, in Rome, <laughs> a, a, bit, a bit like Fontaine's DC. When in Rome, you've got to come up to Celtic Park and get your jerseys. Uh, talking of music, I've never sang karaoke, but if you tune in to Scream Celica, there is a tremendous intro song. You've got to check it out, JP, if you haven't done so already. That's our newest fully produced show, hosted by Kevin Graham. And I've got to say, the intro music is delightful. I need to check it out. And uh, Colin said that it was, uh, it was a lengthy one. And I heard, heard uh, Kev say yesterday, it was like, yeah, it's because we did three games. So I take it he's only planning to do one game. <laughs> and he just went into three Yes, I, I left. I had to go and pick something up in Edinburgh. When I came back, they were still interviewing. And that was like, you know, they, they were already an hour in when I left. But there we go. <laughs> now, the first time I brought you up, uh, the Urban Cool Shea, I thought I got your name wrong. I don't know if I've got it right yet. You've only been commenting for a, a year, so let me know. Um, and you say, apart from the game against the Rangers, we have played in three must-win games and won them all. A bit of metal building with this team. Signed three starters in January, and the jigsaw is completed. Now, it's a fair point. Now, when you open up your domestic campaign with a defeat, it feels like a bit of a disaster at the time, JP. It was the first time in 20-odd years that we had... In fact, it was the first time since Vim Janssen's season, I think, that we had lost an open, open day league game. Um, so, yeah, I can understand the reaction to that. Going to Livingston and getting beat is never, um, ever going to be viewed as a good result. Is it a must-win, though? And I think I take that on board. Is it a must-win game? Well, you can claw those points back. Of course you can. Um, but, yeah, I, I take your point with regards to must-win games and the fact that we've stepped up. In relation to the Europa League campaign, JP, I'm still of the view, and I spoke about it during the week um, last week, that I don't want to lessen my uh, ambitions in Europe. So when we started up a Celtic State of Mind, I still wanted those European nights that we've already spoken about on this show. I wanted to see us playing your AC Milan and Barcelona, Man United um, at Celtic Park in the Champions League. And because we were so dominant and we were strengthening and there seemed to be ambition there because when we started the podcast, Brendan Rodgers was in charge, we were winning trebles. Um, and it looked as though there was an ambition there from the club to move forward, perhaps... Um, you know, in Europe as well as domestically. I did feel that, yeah, we were still a Champions League club. I, I didn't expect us to win it, of course, but we were still there or thereabouts. And, you know, success at that time for me was you always win the league. You try and win at least one domestic cup and you try and get into the group stages of the Champions League. That was my ambitions 
in 2017 when we set up a Celtic State of Mind. What's your ambitions now, JP? Well, in regards to the, the, the losing the first game of the season, I think I'd rather lose the first game than the last game. <laughs> so, I mean, that's the way I'd look at it. You know, at least at least losing the first game, you've got 37 more games to, to pull it back. If you lose the last game, then that could be the difference between a league title or, or, or not. Um, regards to, to Europe, I, I, I think if we'd got into the Champions League this season, I think it would have been pretty messy. I mean, let's face it, we've we've come up against two good side good good sides in Betis and uh, Leverkusen. Leverkusen annihilated us at home. I know it wasn't a four 0 game really, but they did, still did it. You know, the result will say four 0 in the future. Then they go and get you know tonked five 0 off Bayern Munich. So it's a frightening prospect to think if we we'd have got gone in as a bottom seed in the Champions League group. You know, who we would have got and going in at this formative time in Ange Postacoglu's building process of a team, it wouldn't have been ideal. Yes, the money would have been great. Yeah, I know all of that and that's fine. But for for um, morale and everything else, you know, people will say, oh, you only beat Ferenc Faros. Ferenc Faros were in the Champions League last year at our expense. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they beat the team after us and then got into the Champions League. So they've been there and we've not in recent years, not well, since 2017, I think it is. So, um, beating them on Tuesday is great for our morale, for the fans, for the team, for the for the manager, for everybody. And you know, yes, it wasn't a big scalp, but it was it was a win, and it was a, a much needed win. And everybody, you know, you know, went home really, really happy. We wouldn't have had the op- I don't think we would have had the opportunity to do that if we were in the Champions League this season. Mm-hmm. Next season, different kettle of fish because. Angie's a year into the, the the what he's trying to do, and the team are a year into you know knowing each other and you know having the experience of winning games at a different level. That you then take that to, or you would hope that you could then take that to to another level and 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 see what happens then because you know Rome wasn't built in a day, and I, I've never expected that to be the case this season. I've never you know. Basically, anything after last season is, is an improvement, you know. And, and and how we do that, if it's small steps towards that, then then everybody just has to kind of accept it and 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 you know enjoy the enjoy the moments when they come along because you know everybody enjoyed Tuesday because we've just been starved Absolutely. of it yeah. so long, you know, and uh, starved of being at that having that experience of being at the ground and and you know doing the huddle and. You know, singing "You'll Never Walk Alone," and you know, seeing with your own eyes. I mean, that goal, and it was right in front of me. You know, and I and I said, and I, I realised on Tuesday on the way to the gig, I was like, he took that touch at exactly the same spot that Naka hit the free kick against mm-hmm. Man United, and, mm-hmm. and I screenshot both of them, and the, and it was the actual, almost the actual spot where Naka pinged that free kick in, because it said that I read a stat saying that Nakamura was the last Japanese player to score in Europe for Celtic, which is, you know, that's, that's not exactly news, is it? We've not had a raft of Japanese players. Ah, Kokai Mizuno no score in Europe, no? Uh, <laughs> probably not, no. I don't, did he score at all? Uh, I, I can't I can't remember. Um, Falkirk but, away. Oh, yeah, you, you knew. Oh, brilliant. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm glad you knew that. Um, I, 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 I just, I, getting to experience those moments again in, in, in the flesh is, is, is what supporting Celtic's all about, you know, and, 
I mean, I, I, my jaw was on the floor when I saw him take that touch. I was like, if he, if he doesn't score this, it's, after the pass, if he doesn't score this, it's going to be like, everybody's just going to have their head in their hands. But it was the opposite. Everybody went absolutely bananas. Apart from Colin, who was waiting for the VAR decision. But, uh, I heard they had them say that. <laughs> that's, that's, so, that's so annoying that that's now like stopping people celebrating Im- immediately because they're waiting for VAR. For an either whatever that's that. That's 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 the downside of it. I think that that is that that's the balancing act, and I'm sure VAR and whether or not you know it will ever be seen in Scotland is a discussion uh, that we'll be having on Axom as we move forward. I would love someone with the technical ability to do one of those you know double screens and overlay both those goals, JP, just to see how close yeah. um, they they were when they touched it's, the ball. Meters, I'm telling you, it's a, it's a meter or a couple of meters for sure. It's incredible. I mean, there's some great comments coming through and I am scrolling through pages and pages of comments because we're going out on so many different platforms at the moment. They all just filter into one comment section on the programme that we use because uh, I've had a lot of our, our Facebook um, our Facebook followers saying that we don't bring up my, many Facebook comments. I can guarantee it's simply because when I'm... I've just scrolled through about three or four different pages and I've not seen the blue icon yet for Facebook. So I'm looking for Facebook comments. If you're watching on Facebook, get commenting and uh, I'll bring your comment up as long as it's not too rude. Uh, Daniel, Danielle, sorry, Daniel Farley, I wouldn't like to be called mate of Ange. Absolutely. There is a great video um, circulating at the moment. Natasha shared it in the group this morning. Uh, and it's come from uh, Australia. Uh, they've compiled uh, his best bits, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like getting released from the Big Brother house. He's, he's got his best bits, and it's with regards to the Scottish media. So they've already picked up on it over in Oz that um, he's getting a hard time. They're trying to tip him up, but he's coming back with you know, responses like that, JP. Not one to be messed with, but I'll tell you what, that fills me with a bit of confidence that he's like that, not just with the media, but day-to-day at Celtic. Because there's a lot of things that he needs um, in his armoury to make this a success. And you think to yourself, if he's dealing with Celtic's decision-makers, if he's dealing with the board members, if he's dealing with the CEO, the interim CEO, um, in the same way, because I don't think it's disrespectful. I just think, you know, you're fighting fire with fire in a situation like that. If anybody saw the interview that I did doing at the Football Content Awards, it was a wee bit like that as well, JP. Um, I just tried to wind me up from, from the very first moment he spoke to me. But uh, I'm just a lot better than me at dealing with that. Um, but it does fill me with some confidence that he's not going to be messed about in any way, shape or form, is he? This week on The Marketer's Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, direct-to-consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Nah, and, you know, I occasionally see on Twitter, although I have, you know, um, muted several accounts in relation to other the other team in Glasgow just because don't need that nonsense in my life, you know, people spouting nonsense. But Ange Postacoglu has been ridiculed since he arrived here by, you know, not so much the Scottish press. I wouldn't go as far as to say he's been ridiculed. Disrespected, yes. 
not ridiculed, but he's definitely been ridiculed, ridiculed by the other half of Glasgow who think he's our Kaijinia, as they like to, you know, you know, often remind us. Um, and they're all just waiting and I'm falling and it's all, wow, this is going to happen, that's going to happen, this is going to happen. I can't even be bothered with anybody talking about this is going to happen and that's going to happen. I just let life play out and watch things happen. There's no point in making big, bold predictions. You know, I'm not predicting that Ange Postacoglu is going to win the treble or anything like that. I'm just, you know, quietly enjoying what is happening here. And I don't at all subscribe to the fact that he's he's a he's an accident waiting to happen or anything like that. You know, he's 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 built something. He's he's taken a, a club that was basically at one point. I, somebody described a jigsaw. It was a jigsaw with only like a couple of pieces missing. He's taken a jigsaw that's been flung on the ground and all the pieces are everywhere and he's been trying to put it back together. That, that, that's how I see what he's done. You know, as a as a as a as a mouthpiece of the club, um the the the, 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 the voice of the club really has been him. They've mm-hmm. they've they've won a watch in the fact that they've got a guy like that that is 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 so good with the media and so bullish, you know, that they're kind of like, oh well that kind of takes the pressure off us. And it definitely takes- does also takes the pressure off us with the fans as well because yeah. you know if 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 we didn't like Ange Postacoglu the, the board would be hearing all about it. Do you know what I mean? But everybody everybody seems to be completely on board with Ange Postacoglu and willing him to do well. And he's mentioned that in all of his interviews when everybody was trying to sort of say, oh, you know, it didn't start off too well for you. You know, it seemed like you know maybe you, the fans were you know questioning you. And he was like, no, 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 no. I've had the fan support since the start. And, and that is 100%. And I don't think anybody has gone off the rails about Postacoglu that I know that to the point that it's like, oh, get him out or, you know, sack him or anything like that. I don't, I, I've not heard that from any right-minded Celtic fan. And if I did, I would be wanting to have a conversation about it, shall we say. Absolutely. So, See, the yeah. thing that we talk about, that holy trinity of fans, the club, and, and by the club, I mean, you know, the board of directors, those running the show, and the football side of things, so the players and the management team. And at the moment, I think there's two of them. I don't think the, the club have the buy-in of the fans. Um, but the fans have bought in from day one to Ange Postacoglu. It was a huge risk, JP. I mean, there's oh. nothing wrong in saying that. There, no. There's nothing wrong in saying that if you're employing a manager who's never worked in European football at this, you know, this level, because I know that there was a... Um, a lower league position that he did hold for some time in Greece. But if you're coming into European football and you don't know the the uh, landscape of the game, then of course there's a level of risk. But I would always counter that by saying that you know there's a risk regardless of who you appoint. There's always a risk when you appoint someone at Celtic Football Club. And in particular, with that jigsaw analogy, there was a few bits of other jigsaws in that pile as well, um, you know, that we're never going to fit this picture. And and hopefully in time we'll get rid of all of them. I think we've, we've uh, managed to move a few of them on. Yota has been spoken about. I'm going to stick to it. Everybody keeps comparing them to George Michael and they've got all the wham stuff and all the rest of it. I'm going to keep comparing them to David Ginola or David Ginola because um, I remember after his press conference when he signed and I came on and I was I was absolutely raving about um, Jota. You get a weak sense, I certainly do anyway, after speaking to someone at Celtic or someone who represents a club that I've been in love with for you know 40 years. 
you get a bit excited, and I, I totally get that. And I came on the I came on the bulletin the next day, JP raving about Jota, and uh, people were saying, "Well, he's only played a game, I think, at the time, or he's just he's not even played yet." But what he's developed into, and I could never have seen this. Of course, I couldn't. I've, like everybody else, I looked at the YouTube reels and all that kind of JP because that's all I had at my disposal. But what I'm seeing is a guy who's developing into a must-keep player. There's been so many over the piece, you know, even right back to Dyla, so many lone players that have come in. And you knew there were a stopgap. You knew we were never going to sign Wakaso or Tonev or Berget. Or Robbie Keane. We were never going to get Robbie Keane. Yeah, we were, exactly. It was a stopgap, JP, and, and you knew that. And you knew that the time at Celtic was going to be fleeting. Rami Gershon, another one, <laughs> um, that was going to be fleeting and we would move on and we would find something more permanent. But I think in the two low knees that were brought in this time, and by the way, that I've not even mentioned last season. You know, you look at John Joe Kenny and Diego Luxol. Um, you know, the, the player, I think, when I was looking at that last season that I did like, and I think he would have fitted Angie's system, but he certainly wouldn't be playing ahead of Jota, was El Yunusi. I did like El Yunusi. Uh, Arsenal and Leicester, apparently. Like, is that right? Aye, aye. Well, I mean, obviously it's just paper talk or whatever, but, you know, his performances for Southampton have, have allegedly caught the eye of Arsenal and, and Leicester. I mean, and on not... an international level. You know, he yeah, scored yeah. a couple the other week. Mm-hmm. Um, absolutely. But now we seem to have these low knees. And we, we spoke about this last season. I've, I've had enough of the, the stopgap. You know, unless there's an absolute injury crisis, JP, I don't want a stopgap. I want to bring in a player with an option to buy. And we've got that on Jota. Now, obviously, when we were interested in him, when we signed him, um, some old reports were dug up about the fact that in January 2020, um, Benfica had inserted a, a buyout clause in his contract, which uh, was astronomical. Uh, we can buy him for 6.5 million quid. The clause that was inserted into his contract back in January 2020 was 75.5 million quid. But I'll, I'll remind our viewers that, you know, in Portugal, this does tend to happen when a player has that kind of potential bubbling under the surface. Remember, Ryan Gold signs for Sporting Lisbon, they insert a 60 million euro clause into his contract. Uh, when he finally left, I think it was for Ferenc, mm. um, it was for a nominal fee, it was for about a million quid, you know. So we've got the option to buy him for six and a half million pounds. And after, I think he, at this moment in time, from what we've seen, and I'm trying to temper my, my excitement here, JP, I think he'd be worth every single penny and more. Yeah, I mean, it's, 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 I mean, you've got so, there's a clamour from everybody. I mean, so many people were uh, posting and tweeting about that after the game on, on Tuesday, just saying, sign him up. Calvin Miller, ex Celtic player, tweeting, saying, yeah. get him signed. Uh, you know, it was, uh, it was quite, quite kind of, comprehensive in terms of what everybody was thinking hopefully the player wants to stay you know I mean it's again it's it's one of these ones where you don't want to end up with a player who doesn't want to be here we've all heard that you know and what happened after the Ferencvaros game there's players that don't want to be here um, those players had been at Celtic for probably too long and had you know I said that last year as well again people ridiculed me for that as well and I said the players were fed up winning they won four trebles, you know, four domestic trebles. That's argued by some about whether or not we won four trebles or whether they won like eight and a quarter, eight and three quarter leagues. The history books say Celtic won four trebles in a row. 
And that, unfortunately, in today's game, for someone like Odson Edward, that's probably two trebles too many. You know, two back to back, fine. Three, board, want to go somewhere else. And look at him now, tearing it up in the Premier League. And everyone's like, oh, where was that player? It's because he's got the hunger back and desire and he wants to show himself on a bigger stage. And who can begrudge him that? He should have been let go when he wanted to go. There should never be a case where we're holding on to players when they don't want to be here. So the, the, to flip it, also, um, Yota, or Jota, I can't remember the correct pronunciation, but um, if he wants to stay here and have a couple of years at tearing it up in this league as a Celtic player properly, then 100%, 100% he should be signed. And if it's six and a half million, we've squandered so much money on mm. drop. Mm. Average players who come and become very, very wealthy men from being at Celtic Football Club with little in return, he's already given us more than a lot of guys have done in entire seasons and maybe even multiple seasons. And uh, he's just, he's just, he's, he's an infectious wee guy, you know, he, He's one of those people that just looks like they love playing football. You know, he's he doesn't do tricks for tricks' sake. He does them to you know tear defenders and you know wing backs and knots, and and he does it easily. And you know the the hype that was over Ryan Kent, uh, you know Ibrox. I mean, I'm sorry, this guy's absolutely blown him at the water. His damage rate by the end of this season, if he keeps this up, will make Ryan Kent's stats. And I know everyone has their own opinion on stats, but his stats will be on fire compared to, uh, you know, a wet mop and Ryan Kent. So there you go. There's a, there's a wee bite for somebody to clip somewhere. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Because that is that is a statistical term that I've heard used a lot in all these analytical pages. A wet mm. mop. Love it. <laughs> um, people will be saying that I'm talking nonsense when I, I go back to Gina La, right? But... The reason I'm using that, and someone will be able to dig out the game. I was a big fan back then of English football. I used to watch it all the time. Remember the Monday night games? I never missed a game, I, I, honestly. I watched all the games at that time. It was at that period that you could have probably named the majority of every squad uh, in the, the Premiership down south. I couldn't do that now, JP. My, my interest is 100% on Celtic. And everything else is there, and it's almost in the background, right? Unless it starts to involve and and um, you know Celtic in any way, shape, or form. And I remember a game at St James's Park where he picked the ball up, almost you know a corner flag, his own corner flag. I'm talking about, and he was able to play it out from that area of the park. And it, it, I don't think it resulted in a goal actually but it definitely resulted in a chance at the other end. And it was orchestrated by Ginola. And the fact that he's two-footed, I mean, Jota, that, we're not saying that we always gone about Maravchik, the fact you could swing a corner in with any foot, right? It could take a free kick with either foot. Jota's two-footed. He's unbelievable on both sides. Um, left and right, because Abada sometimes gets, you know, fades out a game a wee bit. You can flip him over on the right-hand side and the crossing's as good from the right as it is from the left. So that's where I'm getting at. It's not nothing to do with his hair. It's the style of play, the way that he takes players on. I mean, there was a wee showreel, actually. It was Benfica Youth, I think it was, that put on Twitter, of basically every single bit of play by Jota um, against Ferenc Varos. And you forget just how effective, you know, because he was, the way he was tearing up their defence. The only downside was 
the amount of balls that were coming into the box, JP, we don't yet have that player. We'll come to Yakimakis in a minute who I think is a massive threat there. Now, Kyogo is an absolute magician, and we'll also talk about him. He's a, he's unbelievable. He's been a revelation. That goal, for me, was just Kyogo all over. But he seems to get under the ball with, with the crosses far, far too often, doesn't he? And it ends up just flying high and wide. Yeah, it stick. That takes me on to the next point, though. Yakimakis, listen, we've only seen 50-odd minutes of him. Three fleeting performances, two in Europe, substitute performances, but he looks like a completely different player than Kyogo. He looks like he has a different physical presence. He likes a battle. He can hold the ball up. And he looks pretty strong in the air as well. It gives us a completely different dimension if and when we come up against a defence that we can't break down. Well, aye, it's, it's like Cop. By the way, I just want to add in about my dig at Ryan Kent there. I, 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 I will happily say that Rangers have, you know, exciting players or good players. You know, I think Nathan Patterson looks like a really good player. You know, he's doing it at international level as well. I think, you know, possibly the the, the evaluation on him might be a little bit over the top so far, considering he's not really done anything and won a lot. Um, but I think he looks like a good player. I don't think Ryan Kent is that great a player. I don't see Ryan Kent being a £20 million player. That's that's just my opinion. I know that fees are banded about now for players uh, willy nilly down south, and their you know players go for overinflated prices like Harry Maguire at seventy, eighty million and stuff like that. And there's no way he's worth that amount of money, not in a million years. So maybe somebody, if you know, crazy enough, if it's Leeds or whoever, might pay for Ryan Kent. But I just don't think he's that great a player. And then when you see Jota doing the damage that he's doing. It's a different kettle of fish. But Jack and Marcus, I got slagged by the guys behind me on, on Tuesday because there was a point where he held the player off and I turned around to Sean and I said, I've not seen somebody do that for a long, long time in a Celtic jersey. Like, I'm talking like back to Hartson, you know. Mm-hmm. Like, ha- Hartson sort of, you, that was his that was his uh, meat and drink, you know, holding players off, you know, like the, the strength and, and, and they kind of, they scoffed at me and went, oh, he's, he's also got a bit to go to get to Hartson. And I said, I'm not, I'm not saying he's going to be John Hartson or like John Hartson. I'm just saying his style of play is similar to John Hartson. And it, yeah, you're right, it gives us a completely different option. And I think Colin said it yesterday, we need somebody like that at domestic level when we go up against, you know, big units. Because every club in uh, the league seems to have these guys that, that rise up and have a really good game against us. <laughs> like the, the boy at Livingston, is it? Um, not Mugabe. I forget his name, but the, the big guy at the back was 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 an absolute unit for, for Livingston. Um, and, you know, we need somebody to counter that. Uh, and, and Jack and Lacus potentially could be that. Um, he looks like he wants a goal as well. You know, the overhead kick, you know, that was that was a, a decent effort and, you know, decent ability to get up and do it as well, you know, for, for a big guy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I know that there's this uh, speculation and, and, and you know, why 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 did we manage to get him and nobody else did, you know, from from uh, from the from the Eredivisie? Why did why did nobody else come in with the money? Sometimes that happens. Why did nobody come in for Van Dyke? Why did we get Van Dyke? I'm not listen, I'm not comparing them, I'm not saying we're gonna get no. anywhere near that sort of money, but sometimes you do when I watch and if somebody's been co- uh, scouted properly you know, you, you could you could get somebody that's gone under the radar. Somebody would maybe just, just look at him and go, "Oh, well, he's only playing for 
what was the name of the team? VV V Venlo. Venlo. I mean, they would just look and go, oh, well, he's only playing for them. Just like clubs in England look at players playing for us and go, oh, he's only playing for Celtic. Yeah. yeah. You know, why why would we bother spending what they want? They they want ten million for this guy? No way. He's only scoring goals in the in the, in the Scottish League and you know, turn their nose up at it. And then somebody does eventually take a chance and on Eddie, for example, and he goes down there for you know twenty million or whatever it is. I mean, I I think he will go again. You know, just like you said about Tierney going again, yeah. mm-hmm. Eddie will go again. There's no two ways about it. His whole career has been geared towards going to a big club at some point and 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 you know doing the damage and you know Dembele's done it and I, who's to say that Edward won't actually end up doing better than than the than he's than he's uh, you know his master the apprentice might eclipse the master eventually. I know, I know. I just wish I'd seen them together oh, for the season. You know, we saw we got that wee insight into, it and it was it was tantalising. And then and then he was away, and it was just like, ah, oh, God, that would have been good, wouldn't it? I know. We'd obviously replaced them before we got rid of Dembele. We were thinking, you know, imagine teaming them up. But when when we're talking about the likes of uh, Jota and he's in on loan and making it permanent again, just another uh, another thing I would say is that. Some players come here and they should have signed for us because their careers after Celtic taper off at times, JP. And I know that it's not an exact science. I know that Shane Duffy's gone back to Brighton and he's performing at his very best again and he's playing well for the Republic of Ireland. Tremendous and really tough for him. But the example is Paddy Roberts. Paddy Roberts at that time should have signed for Celtic. And if he'd signed for Celtic, you look at how his career's gone. I mean, he's still a Man City player. I know it's, it's bizarre to think that his parent club is still Man City. It's just loan after loan after loan. And they gave him a new contract and he signed it. I mean, I know that obviously people put money in front of you. You're not going to say no, but for his career, you'd think he would have went, wait a minute, I'm, I'm going nowhere here. I need to leave, you know, just find a club that you can settle down at instead of just being tied to Man, Man City and... Oh, I don't see who's benefiting in that situation. Man City were clearly never going to give him a, a shot anywhere near their first team, but yet they gave him a contract anyway. Is it is it to fulfil some sort of English quota or something? I, I, I have no idea. I've not I've not studied that in detail. But do they have to have X amount of English players on their books for FIFA? Or I have no idea. I'm, I'm throwing ideas here. I have no idea if that is a case, if that is the case. But it just seems so bizarre that. They would they would give him another contract when he was clearly not in their plans, not in their thoughts. These guys have got to play. You know, at that age, they've got to play week in, week out to develop JP. And yeah. he could have been he could have been a player at Celtic. He really could. Now I asked for comments from our Facebook uh, viewers, and and oh, Campbell comes in. Remember the name didn't they work before? It would always come up Facebook user. There we go. There we go. Anne Marie Campbell. You've, you've uh, broken through the barrier. Jota, Abada and Kyogo function well as a unit. There's clearly a great camaraderie there that was missing last season. Uh, it certainly was. We need to build on that rather than stop gap players. We want players playing for the club, not using Celtic as a stepping stone for their career. Um, it's a fine balance, that, JP, because you know I sit and watch Sky Sports News on a loop just to keep up to date with what's happening in, in European football, really, and further afield. And you watch Eduard scoring against Arsenal, Tierney hitting the bar, Van Dijk training at Liverpool. We use that and have used it well. There's been so many other, Stuart Armstrong's another example, um, of bringing players in and saying, listen, if you use us as a platform, we can get you there. 
So, yes, I don't like the stopgap option, and I, I use quite a few examples of that. But at the same time, there is a balance to strikes because there might be somebody who has the potential JP, and that is what you're saying to them. Look at the guys that have gone on, and not just to the, the EPL, Dembele obviously um, went over to France. You've got Megidi, who had a massive move over to um, Sparta at Moscow, wasn't it, before he went to Everton. So I think we have to use it to our advantage. I mean, the, the biggest example I, use, I, I could use today is Yakamakis, right? So... Anthony Joseph at Sky Sports confirmed that the club were looking for 12 million euros had they stayed up. 12 million euros they were looking for for him, right? Now, all of a sudden, because of his transfer fee, had he gone for that amount of money, would he have been more highly rated? But we know it doesn't work like that. You've only got to look at Albion Ayeti, who is becoming more and more of a distant memory. You know, we can't seem to do anything with Ayeti. We got him fit. He looks fit. He looks trim. Still doesn't work. Now, either we he doesn't fit our system or it's just one of these scenarios where the player doesn't fit the club, JP, and you move him on. He costs more than double what Yaka Masu. Listen, we've only seen him for 50-odd minutes, right? We don't know for sure if he's going to make it in a Celtic jersey, but the signs are good. Um, but we're doing this with the same team, the same recruitment team, you know, the same, the, the oh, same yeah. scouting team, yes. Um, and... You know, I'm going to jump back to one of the points you made earlier. It was a very good point about Ange Postacoglu taking the heat off the club at the moment. And he is, by the way. He really is firefighting on their behalf. The, the, lack, <laughs> the lack of communication we're getting in relation to the restructure, the, the recruitment, and, and all of these things that we're all concerned about. Um, I mean, the silence is deafening. We're still not hearing from, and I know he's only interim, but where's the interim CEO coming out and speak to the fans? You know, it, it's just not happening, is it? No, it's not, and yeah, I mean, it's it's it's, it's, it's to their uh, testament or to whoever brought Ange Postecoglou in. And by the way, when we were talking about that earlier on, it made me think of something. That I thought, you know, how we got led a merry dance in the Eddie Howe uh, saga. So Eddie Howe's now been tipped to be the Newcastle manager, right? Is that is that been heavily touted, or is have I heard that wrong, or? You, you know, you no, I've, I've heard a couple of his ex-players, um, you know, talking him up for the job as well, JP. Yeah. So I think he'll be there or thereabouts. I think that any job that I think there was talk him going to Everton, wasn't there? And, yeah. and he's an Everton fan and all this kind of stuff. To me, I don't think he's going to. That's his entry level. I don't think that's his entry level back in English football. So when a job like Newcastle comes up, I think he will be a serious contender. But then, it, but then it makes you think. Is that why he turned down Celtic? Because this this Saudi uh, takeover that doesn't just happen one minute and then the next day they, they didn't just sit there on a Monday afternoon and be like why why go and buy Newcastle? I I could cool, do it tomorrow then. That's been in the works for a long long time, and you're not going to tell tell me that in the game that people don't know these things are going to happen. They just can't talk about it. So how who's to say that that wasn't already that through agents or whatever? That they knew, you know, it's like a it's like a festival headline an announcement, you know, within the music industry. You know, people know who is going to headline Glastonbury. Maybe not Glastonbury, that's a bad example. But other festivals, you'd be like, oh yeah, and we know who's going to headline that festival. You know, six months to a year prior, because it's all planned. So this thing with the Saudi takeover, that now makes me think that that is why Eddie Howe 
got cold feet and was like, well, actually, I've just got wind that this is going to be happening at some point in line this year. And I'm going to wait and hold out for that. That would be interesting. Complete speculation on my part. Complete speculation. I have no knowledge in that at all. A hundred percent. I'm just you know thinking out loud. But it would make sense if that is what ends up happening. If he gets paraded as Newcastle manager, I'll be like, that's what happened. Well, the thing is, you can theorise, you can speculate that there's nothing wrong with that, JP. And by the way, you're absolutely right. These things are in the works for a long, long time. Um, and this isn't me trying to pitch one of my books because if you want a copy, I've only got about I've only got about ten or fifteen left. If you want a copy, get in touch and I'll send one to you. Um, I'm not trying to punt them; they're almost out of print. But see the Andy Lynch book. There was an incredible. He told his football story, right? Here's a guy, Celtic fan, grown up, plays for Hearts, gets his big move, doesn't work out, manages to pull it out. Um, you know, in a situation where he's had to change position to get a game. John Clark was the man that played on left back for the first time for the reserves. It goes on, he captain the club, scored in the Scottish Cup final, etc. etc. Brilliant. And then he has like a, a swan song over in the States when it was the um NASL, you know, when all the big players were going over there and he, he goes over there and he ends up managing, and you think, oh, that's the end. That's that's a good football story. And at the very end, there's an incredible chapter, and it's called The Billion Dollar Buyers Club where Andy Lynch is approached by a consortium from Saudi Arabia to buy Liverpool. You've not read the book, JP, but I'll need to let you read You just read this chapter. It's incredible. Because it's the real deal. I mean, the reason they approached them was because they wanted, right, for because Kenny Dalglish was at Liverpool at the time. Mm-hmm. I think he was in an ambassadorial role. And he was an ex-teammate of Kenny's. So they wanted a Lincoln. They wanted a bridge between these kind of faceless entities and Kenny Dalglish at Liverpool. And that guy was Andy Lynch because they had played together for Glasgow United as 14, 15-year-old kids. Mm-hmm. And and obviously Andy went away to Hearts, Kenny stayed at Celtic, etc. So that was the whole idea. Have a read of it. It's insane how long it took. And it, and it didn't actually happen. The bid was made, etc., etc. Um, but Andy was at the front of that. He did all the press for it. And it's, it's an insane story. So it reminded me when you're talking about the deal because he was involved in that for a good two or three years and then the deal collapsed at the end of it. So mm. you're right about the Newcastle thing. But I'm bringing that up because it's a Celtic twist on it. But it also tells a story when Andy Lynch was down in Liverpool. Is it Melwood, the training ground? I think it's Melwood. Um, he was down there and he bumps into Stephen Gerrard, who's injured at the time. And they get talking and... Um, Gerard says to him about his football career. Gerard when he bumped into him, by the way. Hi, <laughs> probably. And uh, he goes on about, oh, you played with Celtic. I've got a Celtic strip uh, on my wall. I've always been fond of Celtic. I've always been a big fan. This is true. It's in the book. Yeah. And the, the strip on his wall had Lynch on the back of it. And it was Andy's son who had played in the, I think it was the Ronnie Moran testimonial. And him and Stephen Gerrard had swapped jerseys. So, your managers will be Celtic fans. That that's the whole moral of the story, right? I'm sure I've covered up now uh, for for fear of reprisal, but uh, uh, that's that's pretty good. Before we go, I know we're nearly in time here, but I just wanted to. A few people have uh, said hello in the last week. Uh, just <laughs> I've been out and about, including in the Celtic shop. I might add when we were buying those 
Fontaine's DC tops uh, and the, the guy that was serving us said that he enjoyed uh, a Celtic state of mind uh, oh, yeah. but my friend, my friend Michael who I've been pals with for a long long time since since 97 since that season we met at uni he's on the Heriot Watt bus but I think they must have been sharing the uh, bus with the Leith CSC at the weekend for the Motherwell game and he was sitting next to a guy called John Matheson who is uh, a legend of the Leith CSC we haven't met but he's apparently a big fan of uh, a Celtic state of mind and uh, just wanted to say hello to him and to his mate Paddy who follow Celtic um, and uh, all the best to those guys and thanks for watching and thanks for telling Michael I'm sure Michael regaled you with some stories about our, uh, <laughs> our European exploits and exploits elsewhere as well um, on the bus uh, uh, back from Motherwell so I uh, just wanted to say that before, before, before we ended and I had to like wave as we were getting cut off Aye, another thing no but the, th- the yeah. thing is though it's so humbling when people just say I, I like what you do that's it I really enjoy it that's brilliant love hearing that and I know these are, are never going to be universally accepted, JP, but there's people out there who watch it and that's good enough for me and you enjoy it. Just before we go, uh, Facebook user, what's your thoughts on the Red Bull rumour? Listen, we need to dedicate much more time to something like that. I think it's yeah. something, it's a point that we need to discuss about Celtic going forward and what does that mean for Celtic and the whole structure of that. So, yeah, thanks for bringing it up. We will return to that that point and other options that might be available to Celtic um, over the next decade and further further afield. Now, JP, as I say, I look forward to it. Yeah, there is a klaxon that sounds every time we talk about music. It's normally within the first five minutes, but (laughs) there are also people out there who enjoy that chat. So thanks everybody for getting involved in the comments. If you're on uh, the YouTube channel then get subscribing. If you've bought one of these jerseys from the website, they're all in the post, they're all in their way. Um, and we'll keep you up to date uh, with any, anything else you can do to help the channel. But subscribe on YouTube. It's all free, and we, we go out every single day. And it's uh, brilliant to see that you're still watching and enjoying what we do. All that's left for me to say, JP Mason, thanks again for joining me on A Celtic State of Mind. Cheers, Paul. What's up, guys? This is MMA fighter Clay Guida, and I'm not afraid of anyone or anything, but losing my hair was an entirely different kind of fight. So if you're suffering from hair loss like I was, then you got to check out my boys at Bosley. Pound for pound, they are the champions of hair restoration. That's why I turned to Bosley to get my hair back. The entire Bosley team was so professional and kind from start to finish. All it took was a simple one-day procedure, and I was on my way back to rocking my full hair again. So take it from me. Don't wait if you are thinning or receding. I'm so thrilled with my results, I just wish I would have went to Bosley sooner. It's time to finally knock out hair loss because the best is yet to come. Check out Bosley today.
When MMA fighter Clay Guida was losing his hair, he trusted Bosley to get it back. Now it's your turn. Get a free information kit, plus get a $250 off gift card when you text SCORE to 203203. That's text SCORE to 203203. Don't wait. Text SCORE to 203203. This week on The Marketer's Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct-to-Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Sports Social Podcast Network. 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 With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.